the second episode of the Drynet podcast series, Good Food for a Better Normal. Following the overview of the shortcomings of global food systems and associated environmental challenges and pointers towards a more sustainable world provided by Patrick Caron, we share views from the ground from John Nzira, agroecological practitioner and trainer from Southern Africa. John has witnessed the hardships of the COVID lockdown and seen how people have been able to respond by using local resources to produce food for themselves and their communities, breaking free from the legacies of colonialism to achieve sovereignty over their food supplies. This podcast explores the complex systems that sustain life on the planet and put food on our tables, challenges some of our preconceptions and shares insights about how we can do better to leave a positive legacy to future generations. We hope that you enjoy listening. If you find the podcast worthwhile, share the link with your colleagues, friends and family. John Nzira was born in the rural eastern highlands of Zimbabwe. He studied agroecology and permaculture, environmental education and community development in Zimbabwe, South Africa, the US and Canada and Israel. With more than two decades of experience working for government and NGOs in Africa, John is one of the permacultural pioneers of our continent. In 2005, he founded Uguvuna Urban Farming, which provides agroecological, permacultural and alternative energy training. He lives on an agroecological farm in Midrand, north of Johannesburg, South Africa. Hello, John, and thank you for joining our conversation about food systems and ecology. You have many years of experience as a prominent promoter of permaculture and more broadly agroecology. The the COVID pandemic has been really rampant in our country, in South Africa, and also your home province of Gauteng is quite a hotspot. And we've heard a lot of reports about hardship and people going hungry. What kind of responses have you observed from agroecological producers in your area? So uh, I'm saying that uh, the COVID-19 pandemic came in uh, in Africa or particularly in South Africa, uh, I can say at a wrong time or on the other hand, at a right time. Um, At a wrong, wrong time in the sense that the communities and the government were not prepared to take challenges like this, the pandemic like this in their, in the country. But whilst those who are participating and doing agroecological programs are growing their own food, it was an opportunity because they see that without practicing agroecology, they cannot sustain themselves, they cannot continue producing the food they need. Hence, in the urban areas, we had a challenge that distribution of food was quite a challenge because the food that has been coming from commercial farmers into urban areas or from rural into urban areas was not available. And hence, local people and the poor became hungry and affected more. The community uh, and and local people couldn't have food to support themselves because the food uh, industry or the suppliers, the commercial farmers, they couldn't manage to bring in food in the town. And because most people in the urban area, they are not growing their own food, they are not growing food on their uh, wherever they are living. Again, with the system that we have in urban area, that we have AH, which is agricultural holdings. 
that are not utilized for food production. And the urban areas tend to depend from rural areas. And with this uh, pandemic, the challenge was no food was coming to urban areas. Hence, the local people and the poor people couldn't manage to uh, support themselves. And the government bring in, brought in uh, handouts to support these local people. The situation during the COVID-19 was so sad in the sense that uh, government and other NGOs were supplying handouts, which is good at certain level, but it's the, his, his handouts are not sustainable. Uh, and the, in the package of handouts, you'll find out uh, the food that comes through there, it's uh, rice, uh, bread, uh, some sugar, uh, some meal meal, and some of this food, uh, it's actually not produced here in Africa. It's the import from uh, other countries. And it indicates that um, with that continuity of supporting the community with external food, it affects our economy and it uh, doesn't give support to our local people to produce their own food, food that uh, belong to Africa. So basically, the uh, the food that is distributed is not coming from our own country. It's food that is coming from outside, and it affects the economy of the country, not only generally the country, but the local people, especially the poor or people living in the rural area or small-scale farmers, because they don't have access now to distribute or to share their produce into urban areas. So that's uh, more about the packages that uh, or the handouts that is happening or that has happened during the COVID-19. It is it has been an opportunity for those who have been growing a, a food organic way or the agroecological way. Because through the agroecological process or agroecological way, we make sure that uh, those whom we trained, we make sure that they grow diverse of food, uh, diverse crops and it's ongoing growing of, of crops. There is clear succession of different species or crops that the farmer require, and then it helps in the nutritional need of the family, nutritional need of the community. Yeah, so yeah, yeah basically that's what we, we, we came across, that in the COVID-19 had an opportunity for others and also challenges. And as they came in with the funding, and they came in with the, the support. We found that the, the politicians had um, opportunity to manage and control the uh, support or the funding that has been coming through. Hence, the poor could manage to receive uh, some of the allocation that were uh, designed or allocated to the poor community or to the uh, people who are suffering, not having food uh, during the COVID-19. Hence, some politicians were giving some of their food, some of the food and the resources to their friends, to their families, and the store to resell to other community. So it was a challenge in uh, in South Africa, not only in South Africa, I can say in Southern Africa. And uh, whilst uh, that challenge has been created more by politicians and by uh, people who had access to the resources. Thank you, John. John, we know that modern diets are based on highly processed foods and that these have been linked to increased risk from COVID-19. Do you think that people have turned back somewhat to healthier foods 
and uh, and if so how do you think we can facilitate people to reconnect with more traditional and more nutritious foods mm. uh the COVID-19 has actually created an opportunity for people to, to revisit their traditional systems and to revisit in the traditional type of food and the indigenous food of Africa. Uh, we will find, you find out that uh, in the past or the normal diet that you find in the township in the urban areas, it's pap and nyama or it's just the ordinary uh, uh, food that is coming from outside rice and chicken that is from Brazil or other countries. But uh, within this COVID-19, people are now sticking to more vegetables that they are supplied within or they try to grow within their small scale, within their uh, small scale uh, land or within their home, home, home gardens. And also some have started to do uh, free range chickens to supply to others or to feed themselves and to supply eggs and to supply uh, whatever they require for, for the meal within their, their family. So through this, uh, this COVID-19, can talk of for six months now, almost five, six months, I learned that many people, they want now to learn. They want to, they've been consulting me or calling me about how they can start gardening, how they can start growing their own food. And it has been a busy time in terms of teaching other people to make sure that they go back to the roots of growing their own food. A small piece of land that one has is trying now to grow food and some are growing food in containers, like using old container to, to grow certain uh, food of their choice. So it has been uh, an opportunity that people they learn and they reconnect back to the traditional system of growing food or growing our own food in the urban areas. I I have also realized that many farmers, uh, many people who are living in AH in South Africa, we have this uh, land allocation called AH agriculture holdings. Um, the agriculture holdings in South Africa or in, in Gauteng, it has been characterized by small businesses like mechanics, like car repairs. But within this COVID-19, I realized that there's been a growing open space to grow food. And people have been growing food to supply to others and to create small business within the urban areas. So small business started to mushroom on growing food and uh, growing uh, vegetables, especially to supply to the within the urban areas. And if this has been pushed as a policy within the municipality of Johannesburg, that every uh, agriculture holding land it should be seen with vegetable production rather than uh, converting it into an industry pro for producing plastics or producing uh, uh, or repairing cars. It should be seen producing food. And Gauteng uh, will never have a crisis of food if this open land is used or agriculture holding is used for its purpose. Thank you, John. It's really fascinating and, and inspiring to hear these stories of all these small holdings becoming greener and being turned back into productive areas. I know that a lot of consumers these days are quite concerned about eating healthy food. Um, 
but what's available to them in terms of uh, organic certification tends to be extremely expensive. I wonder if you could uh, reflect a little bit on the development of participatory guaranteed systems in the organic sector in South Africa and, and what benefits those might bring both to consumers and also to producers. Yeah, organic uh, production and certification, it's very expensive because most of the uh, the laws or the bylaws that we use in organic uh, farming, they are European-based they are European standards. So for you to qualify, it's very expensive to to qualify as an organic farmer. Uh, so people in South Africa, uh, Sawosa and others, they've come to, with uh, some programs that are helping farmers and helping consumers and helping the middlemen, like rest restaurants and uh, the people who buy, who sell, who buy and sell vegetables. That the participatory PGS, participatory guarantee system helps these people to create an understanding and trust between the producer, the the the, the middleman and the seller and the, and the and the buyer or consumer. So the peop, the consumer has the right to visit the farmer who is producing a certain type of crop. It can be kale or uh, any vegetable he has the right to visit the farmer and uh, assess what methods is he or she using to produce this type of food. So that if he, the, the production process, it's, in, it's, it's clear and the consumer is happy, they issue a certificate to this person to make sure that he supplies the right food that he is producing in the way the consumer requires. So it helps. Uh, people to trust each other and people understand where the food is coming from, what inputs, agriculture inputs are being uh, put in the soil or con uh, used to control pests in that particular field or in that particular, pro with that particular producer. And it is something that is open to everyone. It's not hidden. Uh, there is no hidden agenda. It's a straight away that a consumer will understand that the produce itself it's coming from Mr. Nzira and Mr. Nzira is producing these crops using organic fertilizers and using organic or natural pest control and he is not using any synthetic chemicals on the farm and then when you consume you will consume happily to know that you are consuming the right food that has been grown in an agroecological way or organic way, and it is uh, healthier and safer to the family. And uh, yeah, basically that's what he, what he, uh, PGS means. It's all creating uh, the trust and uh, good relationship uh, between the consumer and the producer. And it doesn't have standards that are internationally um, internationally controlled. Uh, there are local uh, standards that the consumer and the, uh, and the producer, they agree in the means of production process. So locally appropriate, that's really inspiring. John, um, you, you're a man of many years of experience of, of not just producing yourself but also helping other people to produce in terms of managing the soil and managing water resources uh, 
What would you say are the keys to being a successful agroecological producer? One needs to understand and manage water and soil. On soil, one has to understand the soil health, soil conservation, and improving the soil. The soil health is all about looking at the soil uh, in, a, in, a, in a holistic way. Look at or understand it that does it has microorganisms? Do you see earthworms in the soil? Do you see the microbes? Are uh, there microbes in the soil? So if there are microbes, it means, and if there are earthworms, there are other microorganisms, it means the soil is healthy. And hence, when you have this health soil, it is able to produce health plants. And health plants, hence, it's helping the people to be healthy, animals and people. So the most important thing is to make sure that the soil is healthy so that we have healthy plants. Then we create a healthier life. Uh, then soil conservation, it's all about understanding that the soil itself is not supposed to, uh, to run away from this field. So it's supposed to be protected. Soil should not be left bare. If it's left bare, the water, uh, rainwater that, if you receive rainwater, then the topsoil is eroded because soil is not covered. So almost every time when you do agroecology, the soil should be covered, should provide a blanket of the soil by putting mulch or ground cover to make sure that the soil is not uh, scorched by the sun. And when it's hit by the sun it's, and it's bare, uh, then microorganisms and uh, different microbes in the soil are killed, are destroyed, and then you have poor soil. And poor soil cannot produce health plants. Also, in the conservation of, of, of uh, soil, uh, there is important that we need to make sure that in, uh, the soil uh, it's fed with the right uh, compost. You can feed it with the vermiculture, uh, uh, like uh, earthworm cast. You can feed it with the well-decomposed compost, not to feed it with manure. You need to feed it with well-decomposed compost. And if it's animal manure, it has to go into a process of decomposing, into a compost where the temperatures within the compost can go up to 90 degrees to destroy some of the pathogens or seeds that are unwanted in the, in the soil. So, and you bring that back into the soil, into your garden, then it supports the growth of the, the plants. With water, Water, we, when you receive rainwater, never allow it to run on the surface uh, and run away from the, the farm. When it runs away from the farm, it accumulates with the neighbors' waters, water from the neighbor, water from other community, and then creates gullies. So the gullies we find in the communities, it's us people who are living in the area who are causing that. But if we start conserving water and drop of water from rainwater, then we catch or we, we we catch the water or harvest the water into water tank, or we harvest the water into 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 the fields, into the condor ridges, uh, or we 
control the water into water collection pits so the water is not left running on the surface. In the field, as I say, ground cover is important. When you receive a drop of water in the field, the, the water should go deep into the soil to support bowls, support underground water table, and it should go infiltrate into the soil rather than running on the surface. So water is very crucial when we are doing agroecology. We manage it, we control, we make sure that it's not causing destruction into the environment. It is managed that you save and you use it in the future. Same with soil, microorganisms, uh, microbes in the soil are very important to have a healthy, healthy soil. So it is important to make sure that these two are managed well to produce good, good crops. John, uh, much of your work has been focused on helping people to become more independent and to use local resources to produce food for themselves, also for their communities. What do you think are the key elements of enhancing food sovereignty? The most important elements to enhance food sovereignty is for the community, like where I'm working, I'm working in different communities helping people, but mainly is for community to understand first biodiversity, what does it mean? And then they work, they work step further and work on how can they restore biodiversity. Then they work further and say, how can they do uh, regenerative systems within the biodiversity? So when they understand biodiversity, uh, they can look at the water as an important element, the as an asset, water as an asset, land as an asset, plants, different kind of plants. Uh, and they should look at uh, the animals, looking at large animals and small animals, and they should look at uh, their traditional knowledge and how they can integrate themselves into the system. So with these biodiversity, uh, biodiversity systems, they can be able now to, whenever they do anything or work on the ground, they are able to make sure that they are aware that they are repairing the land. They are regenerating uh, the system for promoting the biodiversity. So the other areas that we promote is to make sure that they uh, support the food sovereign rather than food security. They should understand that food is coming from them. Food is, uh, is the right, they have the right to keep, uh, to produce their own only food and they have the right to keep their own seeds and they have the right to manage the resources around them uh, in the way they want the environment to be as long they are not causing destruction on the environment they should also create uh, enterprises around that that whenever they are doing using the local resources they can create business around that and they can engage uh, research components within the community um, where the community themselves, they do research and record whatever they, the findings they do in terms of producing the agroecological produce. And when the process is being managed properly with the community themselves, especially women involved and youth involved, then they are able to create a system that supports the whole community, a system that generates a local economy or create a circular economy in their own community. So the species that they promote 
are not only plants that are exotic coming from outside. They could promote species that are indigenous. We have wide variety of indigenous species that are uh, not utilized or they are underutilized. So with the system of agroecology and understanding biodiversity, um, then you are able to bring all the indigenous or local uh, plants into a system and make sure that you utilize them or you process them to use them within the family. For example, of recent during this COVID, people were now talking about uh, Lingana, which is at Misia Afra. It's a local plant. Uh, communities have been using that for many, many years, and they've been using it for different ailments. And now, because of the COVID, people now are starting to talk about it. But the community, when they are doing the agroecology, they integrate all that in these indigenous systems and they bring into a package that uh, helps them to sustain, sustain and they cannot go back to the external uh, produce. They con concentrate on local produce and even export or even sell the products to other people, but the produce could come, should come from their own community and controlled by the community. And that's how they can create sovereign. If the community are starting to use or to get inputs from outside, then these inputs like seeds, uh, they come with fertilizers, they come with synthetic chemicals for spraying. And once that happens, then their independence, their sovereign is gone because someone is controlling the seeds and someone is controlling the fertilizers, someone is controlling the uh, chemicals, the sprays. So you don't have the right to say, uh, uh, I, I cannot use it now. Once you are trapped into that, you continuously use that. And that's how people are colonized. And for them to decolonize themselves and to be sovereign is to understand biodiversity and use local resources to produce their own food. So John, these uh, external, externally supplied seeds and uh, packages of, of inputs, um, from what you're saying, it sounds like they're designed to go together. So if you use the seed without using the fertilizer, you won't get a good result. Um, in terms of people keeping their own seed and using, for example, open pollinated varieties of maize and, and other plants, um, what would be the great strengths of of using own seed and passing to other to, to neighbors uh, varieties that people can grow and and keep seed of themselves yeah keeping seeds uh, your own seeds it's a, it shows independence it shows sovereign uh, because the seeds if you get uh, for example millet or sorghum you find out these seeds have been here in Africa for many thousands of years, millions of years. Yeah, it's thousands of years they've been here and from our ancestors, from our grand, grand uh, uh, people. And when you have them, you make sure that uh, it happens that you cannot go back and buy from somewhere. You continuously use the same seed in the community or you share with others in the community. And when you are using that, you are, not, you are saving money to buy the seed and you are also saving uh, synthetic chemicals to, to, to control the crop from, from pests. You are also saving uh, fertilizers 
the cost of fertilizers you are because these crops they like to grow with organic means or natural fertilizers so the most important element that we discover in communities that those communities who are now saving their own seeds they have the right and the voice of the and the choice of what they want to see and produce in their own community that's one two they are promoting diversity in their own community because the traditional system has a lot of diversity but the monoculture industrial agriculture it doesn't have much diversity it has uh, mainly to promote monoculture which says one crop at a time and uh, you it came with the package of fertilizer and uh, pesticides and then you use that and the second season you go back to to them you buy again you use it and every year you are trapped in buying the fertilizer the seed and the pesticides whilst in the traditional system or the agricultural way the seed and the natural fertilizer and also the natural sprays they are coming from the community the community they are controlling it themselves they have the voice out of uh, on that and they have the right of selecting the seed they have and they have the diversity in the production and the diversity creates good nutrition so they have nutrition security and they have good diets in their own community because the diverse of the crop provide us uh, provide them with a good diet of the community and they remain or they keep themselves healthier and they live longer uh, because they are not in, uh, affected by pesticides they are not uh, controlled by one type of food in the community it is uh, the drive of the diversity that makes them live longer they eat healthy and sus sustain themselves thank you john that's really inspiring i wondered if you could share us some with us some final thoughts about the future going forward what are the things you think we should aspire to and strive towards to make this a better world one we need to look at in, uh, the policy in terms of land tenure the the, the uh, small scale who are now producing about 70 percent of the uh, southern african food they have a very small piece of land and the land is uh, uh, small and it's uh, not producing enough of what they want because they work on diversity the commercial farmer who has a big land it's mainly focusing on one type of crop or one type of um, uh, one type of animal like cattle or maybe goats they they specialize in monoculture when they specialize in monoculture their focus area is not to feed the country they are feeding uh, probably they are exporting the food whilst the small scale farmer is feeding the country and feeding the community that they have so the small scale farmer the government should give more attention to the small scale farmer and support a small scale farmer and support agroecological systems in a small scale farmer it can be in urban areas the agricultural holdings that we have in urban areas we the municipalities that are responsible for that that they should put a strong policy to make sure that agricultural holding agricultural land should be agricultural land. people should produce food 
for the urban area rather than uh, food coming from uh, rural areas. There should be also uh, a, a way of supporting institutions to, to, to train more agroecological activities or more agricultural systems. The agricultural colleges that we have, they are more focusing on a monoculture type of system. The government should look at how they can integrate agroecological systems into uh, institutions. It can be uh, agricultural college or teach even teachers college and even um, the, 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 the universities so that agroecological systems are, are promote, promoted at all, all levels. Schools like in, uh, primary schools and secondary schools, agroecological systems should be included there. Uh, where uh, ch children at school or people at school should learn how to produce their own food uh, or should learn how to do agriculture, the proper agriculture, agroecological system. And they should be developed to secondary level and then to, to, to higher level or tertiary level. When you learn agroecology agri or agriculture at primary level, you will never forget the systems. Even when you go to white collar job, you'll come back and say, I want to produce and have the right to say, I want to produce my own, my own food. Also, the uh, government and the private companies should also invest more on, uh, for the transformation of good food system, especially in rural areas or small scale farmers, through supporting women and youth. And supporting women and youth, it gives a clear indication that women are the pillars of sustainable development in rural areas because they know when to eat, when uh, to get, where to get food, what type of food to cook for the family, and where can they get it. So if they are empowered with agroecological systems in the, their communities, then it helps them to influence policy and it helps them to make sure that they can make decisions and they can be leaders in the communities and leaders for uh, for development developmental uh, programs. So transformation should be uh, one area that we need to work on, especially in our rural communities or small scale farmers. Uh, I would like also to say. Uh, the food, food to, uh, like the shops, the food suppliers, they should also look at supporting the small scale farmer in producing enough mm -hmm. food that are agroecological uh, system, that are produced in an agroecological system. And institutions and organizations should create a platform or a network system uh, that helps uh, to influence the government and also influence influence um, even commercial farmers to start practicing agroecological systems or conservation farming uh, and uh, integrate the agroecological principles with the way they are they are farming with the. Uh, uh, industrial agricultural system that they are that they are doing. So, also the media, the because you you see that uh, you listen in the radio or you listen in a TV, 
There are journalists who are there who take information and share in the TV. We need to have more journalists and researchers into, into agroecological systems. And funders, they should look at supporting agroecological work in small, with small-scale farmers. And that will change and influence the way we live and the way we eat and how we produce uh, our, our food, our local food. And also this will help in the sovereign of uh, the communities, sovereign of the country and of the continent as Africa. That if we start producing our own food, we control ourselves. But right now, we are controlled by other continents or other countries because they are supplying food to us. And this food that we get from outside, we don't even know how safe it is. So basically, let's drive the agenda of making sure that we produce our own food uh, in urban areas and also in rural areas. All open land should be uh, the lungs of uh, the green lungs of Africa. All open, open lands should be converted to green lungs of Africa. Green lungs of food forestry and food that is more uh, related to our African culture. Uh, thank you. Thank you, John. That's very a very inspiring note to end on. And uh, I, I look forward to one day being able to sit with you in person on your, on your small holding and uh, enjoy the, the wonderful green environment that you've created. And um, yeah, I'd like to thank you very much for sharing your thoughts and insights and experience for the, for the podcast series. Thank you for listening to this episode of the DryNet podcast series, Good Food for a Better Normal. We hope that you've found the inspiration to reinvent the ways in which we care for the land and produce, distribute and consume food. In the next episode, Rachel Weinberg adds her analysis and how social justice and food sovereignty are essential parts of sustainable food systems. If you've enjoyed listening to this podcast, please share the link with your colleagues, friends and family.